inside your bulletin, upper right hand, is that our Christmas program. We're having a special Christmas service here. I believe that's, is that on the 22nd? 21st, 21st, all right. And it's going to be at 6 p.m. We're, we're going to be having um, um, kind of a, a, a presentation with kids involved. Our kids are going to be singing in this and uh, with, a, with a devotional style. We'll have services at 6 p.m. We will not have services during the day, you know, like at 8.30 or at uh, 10, whenever we do it, 10.30. Is that when we have it? You, it's, it's, you, are you getting nervous? The preacher doesn't keep track of time. That's a bad sign. But, uh, but we won't be having services during the morning at Sunday morning. We'll be all coming back together for our, our uh, services uh, on six, at 6 o'clock that, that evening. So I hope you can, you can make it to that. And bring your friends to this. Bring your friends to this. This will be a lot of fun. Afterwards, we'll have cookies and coffee and hot chocolate and things. Uh, that will be on the 21st of December. Uh, let's see. Oh, I was also asked to mention something about the sleigh out here. And uh, what, what's it for? We have, we're having our annual toy giveaway. We have it every, every year. That's December the 13th, my wife's birthday. And we're going to be uh, giving out toys uh, to, to families that need a little help this Christmas. I'd like you to uh, donate if you'd like. I'd like to do that, interested in doing that. You're going to notice some uh, Christmas trees, a Christmas tree with some cards on it. It's decorated with some names and ages and you can pick up as many of those as you like. They're not all the children's names are not on that tree, but right now there's enough there if you'd like to grab one. Pick out an age-appropriate gift, bring it back, put it in the sleigh with the tag, I guess, attached to it would help, and they'll make sure that gets wrapped and, uh, I believe, and, and uh, took care of. Uh, that, that's going to be going on the 13th of December. Got a card here uh, from uh, uh, Tom and Jackie Tarantino. And um, as you know, Tom's mother passed away unexpectedly uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, here's what the card has to say. It says, God works through you in beautiful ways. He al- he's always putting you right where he needs you to be. And you're always doing what he needs you to do. He gives you strength and, and you reach out to help those who need a hand. He gives you love and you bless others with your caring heart. Best of all, he gives, He's given you and your friendship to me. And that's the most uh, beautiful blessing anyone could ask for. And that's from the Tarantinos. And then uh, Tom and Jackie attached this little note here I'd like to read to you. It says, To Greater Alton Church, words cannot begin to express the gratitude we feel for all the thoughtful gestures we have received during this difficult time. Your prayers, cards, and lovely planter, the cash donations, the countless acts of kindness are all very much appreciated. We are simply awestruck by the outpouring of kindness from our Greater Alton Church family and feel so very blessed to be a part of it. And they just wanted you to know that this morning, church, and uh, be keeping them and keep them, uh, the Tarantino family in your prayers as, uh, as they're going through a time of grieving. Um, and um, may God bless them. Let's, uh, let's get into this lesson this morning. We're talking about don't worry about it. You ever heard anybody say that? Don't worry about it. Eh, don't worry about it. You know, they'll get over it. My dad used to say that. Don't worry about it. They'll get over it. And uh, I, I've incorporated that phrase in my life. Vernon Matthews used to say, a dear friend of mine used to say, Tim, you worry too much. Anybody else say that to you? Anybody else? Have you ever had that said to you? you worry, yeah, me too. You worry too much. In fact, how many of you would probably say you've had some worries in the last six months? You know, I preached on worry in August, and we're still worrying. 
Isn't that something? I remember, I, I thought, well, have I talked about worry? Because we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and here we are, you know, uh, and, and part of his lesson, a big chunk of it, ten verses is on worry, and I couldn't skip over it. I said, Lord, I already talked about worry back in August. I guess we're supposed to talk about it again because we keep worrying again and again, huh? Sure, it's, we all do that. And when Jesus is talking here in the Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's sharing personal, a, a lesson that's personal and, I believe, practical. Last week we talked about uh, having a hardcore approach to sin. Gouge it out, cut it off, throw it away, look for a way out, set some realistic boundaries, you know, and, and, and keep adjusting them. And, and I'll tell you what, Monday morning I'm at a body shop near downtown St. Louis and I was already having to apply my sermon, looking for a way out. I couldn't believe it. I said, Lord, the sermon's for everybody else, right? It's for you too, Timmy. And if you've ever been to some of these body shops, they have some interesting pictures on the walls. And I found myself for you know, really realizing I need to find a way out and get radical. And you know what? God supplied a way out. Not only at that body shop, but another body shop in Maryville. Isn't that something? It just keeps it happening. And he'll provide a way out for you. And I, and I thought that was interesting is that this sermon that Jesus is preaching, guys, isn't designed to entertain you and make you think happy thoughts. It's designed to help you in practical ways in your everyday life. And so Jesus, instead of dealing with a bunch of deep theological uh, concepts to help people, he gets right to just the practical, the things you and I deal with. And one of the things he's dealing with here is a very common emotional habit you and I have. It's called worry. Let's read it together in your notes. It says, no one can serve two masters. I want you to circle the word masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted. Would you circle that word devoted? Devoted to one and despise, circle despise, the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice Jesus Christ, the Son of God, walked on water, will raise from the dead, says, by the way, let me tell you something. All things are possible, but here's something that's impossible for you to do, and that's serve two masters. You can't do it. That's not the way life is designed. Therefore, therefore, based on that, I tell you, do not worry about life. He's saying, don't worry about it. Circle that. What you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Then he asks the question. Jesus asks four major questions in this passage, trying to appeal to our logic. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, be by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Circle, you of little faith. So do not worry. He says it again. Circle that one. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. The pagans worry. The pagans 
run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry, circle that again, about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How do I overcome worry? How do I overcome worry? You know, we preach about it. I preach about it once or twice a year and we keep worrying. I keep worrying. You keep worrying. I want to overcome it. Jesus in His sermon is so practical. He gives us four ways, four things you and I can do to overcome worry, to literally overcome the worry ward in us. You could call it the compound W of the Bible. Look at this. Here's here's the first point. How do I overcome worry? I redefine what my life is all about. Jesus says you need to have basically a a strategic, your strategic approach to life needs to be overhauled. You've been affected too much by the world. And you've let the world, you've let the habits of the world creep into your life. And one of the bad habits this world has is worry. You need to redefine what your life is all about. You know, if you notice here in this passage, Jesus gets, he gets to the root of our worries. He gets to what causes all the worrying in our life. And it's our approach. Look what he says here. No one can serve two masters. He uses this word master. What do we, what do we learn here? Jesus is trying to tell us, look, Tim, you worry because you have a control issue. You have a problem with control. You try to control everything. You're not letting me control. You're not letting your master. You're trying to. You're you're living. You're you're trying to please more than one master, and there's only room for one master in life. One master. Either you'll hate the one. And love the other. You'll, you will de- be devoted to the one. What's he mean by devote? He's saying the word devote there means to grab something that you're devoted to and hold it up close to you. Face, put your face up close to it. That could be a baby. As this morning, I was watching Cindy Blair, and she's holding her grandchild. It's a baby. She doesn't hold it like this. Ugh. You know, dads do that. Ugh, he's changed. Not Cindy. I love you. She's not serving coffee. She's preoccupied. She's trying to serve coffee. What's what's for coffee? Baby. No, baby coffee. You're talking about? No, no, no. Look at the baby. And she holds it up cheek to cheek. And when you're when you're devoted, he says he says here you're going to figure this out. It's a control issue. It is a devotion issue. And he's saying, listen, you want to overcome fear or overcome anxiety, overcome worry? All three are related. He goes, you've got to be devoted. You're going to understand it's a devotion issue. You've got to, you, whatever, whatever you're holding closest to you matters. You're devoted to that master, that kind of control. He goes, you despise the other. You just, what's despise me? Well, just figure it out, folks. Ew, repulsive. I don't want anything to do with it. And look what Jesus says. You cannot serve. What's that word, serve? You know the word behind serve he's really talking about here? He's saying you can't be a slave to both God and money. He's saying you can't surrender to both at the same time. You must choose. Now, the word money here is misleading in the NIV, I believe. 
And what I mean by that is that, is that you, in the King James it says mammon. And this is a term the rabbis use, the word mammon, doesn't necessarily cover just your cash or your currency in your pocket or in your bank account, but he's talking about everything you have. It's what you own, your possessions, your wealth is what we would call it. So he says you cannot serve both God and everything else you have. You need to choose. You need to redefine what your life is all about. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Because of that, he says, look, because you can only serve one master, you can't serve two, you need to choose. And if you do, you won't worry. You say, what if I choose? It depends on the master you choose, of course. You see, guys, what you're devoted to and what I'm devoted to the most is what we're concerned about. It's what we worry about. For example, I don't worry about your job. I don't. Tim, you're heartless. Don't you care? I don't worry. I don't get up in the morning going, what's going to happen to your job? Why not? I'm not devoted to it. And your kids, man, they're flunking out or they're having trouble, they're starting at school. I don't worry about your kids. Tim, how can you say that? I just don't. And I bet you you don't worry about anybody else's kids that much. Really? When you think stop and think about it, why not? You're not devoted to those kids. Not really. Not like a mom and a dad. I don't worry about how you're prepared for your retirement. You don't care? I'm just not worried about it. I don't get up in the morning going, oh no, I wonder what they're going to do with the retirement. I don't do that. I worry about my retirement. What I'm devoted to. You see where it's going? You see, my emotion is tied to my devotion. I need to remember that. That your, your emotion is tied to your devotion. And Jesus is saying, but what if you shifted your devotion? What would happen? What if you shifted your devotion from all these things that you have and you made me your master? That you surrendered and made me your slave? That you held me up as close as you could? That's what he's wanting us to see. That's how he starts this section, this point in his sermon. He's trying to get us to understand that your emotion, my emotion, is connected to my devotion. And he says this, he says, then he asks this question. This is one of the questions he asks. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You say, well, well, of course, duh. But you'd be surprised, guys, how often we let these things become our life. They become so important. They matter so much that we don't see the bigger picture. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm saying that, let me ask you this. Think about this. If I would say, you know, you're talking about your job, you're worried about your job, you're worried about losing your job, you're worried about getting a job, and I would say, is life more, more than just a job? And what would you say? Well, yeah, but how do we live? I mean, some of us here, getting married or getting married again is so important, so big in our life, we can't see anything else. And if, but if I were to ask you, is, is not life more than marriage? You'd say, of course. But how do we live? Is it all about money and pleasure and enjoying life? And, and you say, but well, aren't these important? Let me tell you, Jesus is not saying these are not important. 
But he's saying, they're not your master. What will you pull up close to you and really focus on having your full attention should be God. And when you have that kind of devotion, your emotion will change. You won't worry. Why? Because your master is God and he's a good master. Let me ask you this morning, what are you thinking about the most? How do you define your life? How would someone else, if they're looking into your life, say, what do you see that I talk about the most? What do you think I'm after the most? Would from their lips say, it's, it's your Heavenly Father? Or would it be, well, you seem to be preoccupied with this issue, this person, this occupation, this treasure in your life? Guys, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus asks us to look, and if you will look, if you'll start looking like that, just looking into what do I think about the most? What do I plan around the most? I'm surprised how many of us plan. I am, I am so surprised how, how we plan sometimes around what we treasure the most and how little God gets planned around. It's planned around family stuff. It's planned around my job. Like my job controls me. Does that sound like a master? I can't help it. I don't know what else to do. I'll tell you what Jesus would say. Surrender. Surrender. I mean, I, I, just, I just think, I, I, watch, I watch us sometimes and how we, pl- how we plan, you know, whether it be a retreat or an event, I can't make it. Because, and we fill in the blank, like it's a, no problem. What is your life going to be about? You have to redefine that. You may have to overhaul that whole strategy. Because I don't know what it is. With, you know, when I say my life is about church, it doesn't seem to have the punch in my life as my life's about my Heavenly Father. You see that? My life is about the sermon. I worry about my sermons all the time. All the time. All the time. You're preaching on worry. Apply it. No. I know I get it. I worry about it. You used to worry about what you thought of me. I don't care anymore because a lot of you think certain things anymore and I can't change that. Now I worry, am I being effective? Well, that's a good thing to worry about. I'm commanded in the Bible not to worry about life, not to worry about anything. Is not life more than my occupation? You know, when we have the obituary in the paper about you or about me, you know what they're going to put? He was this old. He did this. She did this. I, where's the obituary that just says, I, I'm going to have to ask my wife, make sure you do this. Tim Gill, when he dies, 110. <laughs> it's okay to dream. And all it says is, he loved God more than anything else. That's all I want in my obituary. I want it to be true. 
Instead of, he did this and did this, and then he preached there, and he did that, and he worked there, and he owned that, and he, and he accumulated this, and he has these kids. And I just, Jesus says, is life more than family? Is it all going to be just about your family, about your clique? You know, I talk about churches having cliques. Let me tell you something. Before you start throwing rocks at Greater Alton and calling it a clique, you better check the clique called your family and see how that compares. Is it about the job? Is it about employment? What's it going to be about? What's your life going to be about? Jesus says, we've got to start there. So start there if you want to overcome worry. Redefine what your life's really going to be about. Do you need to overhaul your purpose in life? If you do, it'll help you with your worries. Number two, I recognize that worry is useless. After I figured out what's my deepest devotion, I've got Jesus goes, look, you've got to look at that. Now, you could just see his crowd going, oh, my goodness, we're religious, you know. We still worry. He goes, well, let me appeal to your logic for a minute. Have you ever realized how useless worry is? Verse 27 says, Can any one of you, by adding, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what's the answer? Nobody can. Look how Luke says it. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? He's asking for somebody to raise their hand. And this, since you cannot do this very little thing, what? This is a little thing? Yeah. Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus is simply saying, guys, when has worry ever accomplished anything worthwhile in your life? What's worry really done in your life? Can it change anything? And the answer is no. It really hasn't. It doesn't really add anything to your life. In fact, I believe worry takes life away. I think that's what he's trying to say here. Let me ask you something. Do you have a view that worry is normal? Think about that for a minute. Well, Tim, everybody worries. Yeah, that's common. That's common. I get that. But is worry normal? You know, as I, read, as I read my Bible, I'm learning something. This is an aha moment for me this week. I've learned worry is not normal. It's evil. I don't know, Tim. Well, let me explain. Jesus says worry can't do anything. And God is not going to give you something to do that's going to waste your time. That's first thought. The second thing is, worry wasn't around at the beginning, was it? I mean, they're walking around without clothes on. How worry-free is that? How you doing, Adam? Pretty good, honey. What are we doing today? I don't know. Did they have to worry about food? Pop? They didn't worry about clothing, obviously. Shelter. I wonder what the temperature was at the Garden of Eden. A perfect 70 degrees. A little chilly. We'll turn it up a little. 
You know what? I'm sitting there thinking to myself, they're not worried. Then all of a sudden, we read this story, something goes haywire, and here comes God walking in like He does every day, and He can't find them. Where are you guys at? And they go, we're over here. Well, what are you doing hiding? Remember what they said? We were afraid. We heard you walking and were afraid and hid. We got worried. Worry and fear and anxiety kind of all go together. You see that? Worry wasn't here at the beginning. What brought worry into the world? Sin. You see, if I don't see worry, if I see, by the way, let's say it this way. If I see worry as normal, guess what? I'm never going to deal with it. Never going to overcome it till I see it for what it really is. Jesus says, when has worry ever done anything for you? Did you know that somebody, I read this, I had, I've had this statistic for years, 92% of what you and I worry about never happens. What? 92% of what you and I worry about never happens. You mean only 8%? Only 8%. That's the, I'm worried, which 8% is it, Tim? I, I'm with you. I'm not sure either, but it's amazing. I heard a guy describe worry like this. He said, here's what a worry can be. You're sitting in a room, and here walks in your nemesis, your enemy. The one, you know, I mean, the worst person in the world sits in the room with you. The person doesn't say anything to you. The person doesn't do anything to you. The person never touches you, but he's in the room. And it's intimidating you. Hasn't done a thing. Doesn't do a thing to me. But I'm intimidated. What if he does? What if I get hurt? And it never happens. It never happens. And guys, Jesus is in a culture. He's dealing with a culture that worries, like Vernon would say, you worry too much. And worry... I've learned this about worry. Yes, I, I could, I could, we could talk about the physical things about worry. We could talk about the hypertension and the heart attacks and the strokes and the ulcers and the skin psoriasis or all that stuff you know, that goes along with worry. People are worried. I could tell you it has an emotional toll on us that one out of four people who are diagnosed with anxiety disorder, it starts off with a little worry that never happens. I could tell you that. But you know, I've learned something about this. When I look at this, what Jesus says, you can't worry, can't do anything. I've learned it does. It's a thief and it steals my joy. This week, I'm all worked up. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I think I'm a Jedi Knight. You ever do this? You wake up, I feel a disturbance in the force. You're not a Jedi Knight. I'm not a Jedi Knight, but we like to think we are. Oh, I feel a disturbance. Something's about to happen. I tell Denise, I just feel it. Something's about to come down. I wonder what it is. And I'm thinking, I'm getting with this person. I'm getting with this person. I'm getting with this person. And I'm thinking, I wonder if it's that. I wonder if there's something going on here. And all of a sudden, this, this thought goes into this big worry monster. Ninety-two percent of what you worry about doesn't happen. And all that stuff I worried about didn't happen. I was like, I was, I found myself disappointed. Well, it should have happened. 
Why? Because I've invested all this energy and I'm tired and I'm thinking this is, it's supposed to happen. It didn't happen, man. Some of us act that way, don't we? We're surprised it doesn't happen. We're disappointed it doesn't happen. And so we're restless and we rest less. It's just awful. Worry is useless, folks. It takes, here's what I've learned. I learned this this week. Worry is a thief and it's, it takes my joy. I can't enjoy a dinner with my family because I'm worried about something else. I can't enjoy watching the Hunger Games because I'm worried somebody's going to get killed in the movie. I'm worried about how many people are going to be at church on Sunday. I'm worried about, oh, I hope we can keep this account that we're doing autoglass in. I can't even enjoy a moment with my wife. I can't enjoy relaxing because I'm too busy all worked up over something that doesn't happen. Anybody here had a week like that? Worry's not normal, it's evil. And it will take, it always takes, doesn't add a thing. It keeps taking and taking and taking. And every time you worry, every time I worry, guys, it takes a little more life out of us, a little more confidence out of us, a little more joy out of us. And you know what it does? It, it takes away peace and replaces it with turmoil and, and restlessness and an unsettledness and suspicion and bitterness. It just keeps going on and on. It doesn't, it adds, if it adds anything, it adds, it adds pain. I heard somebody say this, we worry about the past, we can't change it. We worry about the future, we can't alter it. And what do we do when we worry about the past and the present? All it does is makes us miserable today. You see, worry will rob you not only of your joy and contentment and inner peace, it will rob you of your faith, it will rob you of opportunities to grow. Why? Because when you worry, it prevents you from taking any kind of risk in life, never trying new things, not accepting any kind of change that could be a great blessing. It'll keep you from sharing your faith. It'll keep you from from, from giving sacrificially and really testing God. It'll keep you from being vulnerable in your discipleship group or in your small group or your one-on-one time because you're worried what people might think if they knew you thought something like that. So you never grow. Just like the parable of the sower when Jesus talked about the, the cares of this world and the worries of this life, choke it out, making it unfruitful. Worry is not normal. That's why Jesus says it several times in this passage. Do not worry. Don't worry about it. Do not, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. And I hope you're motivated to think about it. You know, sometimes knowing that the skillet is hot motivates me not to touch it. And sometimes, guys, knowing worry is evil makes me go, wait a second. And when I catch myself worrying, to stop it. To just stop it. What are you worried about? Don't worry about it. Let me give you number three. By the way, I have five points in this sermon, and I've killed one of them. It's a sad day here at Greater Alton. 
because it's not on your notes. And so, and I found that out in the first service. And they were so gracious, they didn't say a word to me. So we've taken it off, we've taken it off the team, off the field, and set it off the side. Here's point number three. I believe God will take care of me. Well, this is a big one. Jesus, you know, the, again, this is his sermon, and he's saying, look, Tim, I want to get personal with you, and I want to get practical with you. And he wants to do the same thing with you this morning. He says, you need to understand, you've really got to redefine how, how you see your life. You need to redefine that, Tim. What's your greatest devotion? Because that could be your greatest source of, of worry. And Tim, you've, you know, you've got to see worry as a waste of time. I appeal to your logic. I appeal to your, your common sense. It's a waste of time. But you've got to know this. It's important you know this. And that is that God will take care of you. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of uncertainty in life, isn't there? Lots of it. And we worry over a lot of uncertainty in our lives. And Jesus, listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus does not deny uncertainty in life. He doesn't stick his head in the sand and say, Oh, no, there's no such thing as that. Look the other way. Don't try to get our attention off, some, off of it onto something else. He says, I know that's a cold reality. I know there's a lot of things that happen in life you're not certain about. He knows it's there. But he says, you can have uncertainty and not worry. Amen. I can have uncertainty and not worry about it. The answer is not living in denial and saying, well, it's not there. It's there. The answer is not being like uh, Matthew McConaughey and being out of touch, driving a Lincoln. That's not what it's about. He says, no, no, you st- listen, I'm not saying that this, doesn't, this isn't true. I know uncertainty is a part of your lives, and I know your natural tendency is to worry about it now that sin's here. But I am telling you not to worry about it. It's not normal. It's evil. And here's the thing you need to know is God will take care of you. They're all sitting there. You know they're all sitting there going, man, I don't know if I can do that. Well, here, here, I'll try something else. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. The crowd sitting there. What? Look at the birds. What? Look at the birds. Yeah, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Is this the 60s or something? Have you turned into a hippie, Jesus? What's wrong with you? Look at the birds. I ain't got time to look at the birds. I'm trying to make ends meet. I'm t- Man, I've got health issues. I've got, I've got a kid that can't pass the fifth grade. I've got to work on I've got to get them ready, man. I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got a marriage that's on the rocks. It's about to fall apart. And you want me to what? Look at birds. Look at the birds. <laughs> Fine. Look at the birds. Nice break from the sermon. Anyway, I didn't like it. Oh, birds, birds. Oh, wow, there's another bird. Oh, wow, birds, birds. Oh, yeah, cute, cute, bird, birds, yeah. Wow. And what am I supposed to be learning here? I've been looking at them now. I've been staring at them. Are you looking at the birds, Tim? Yeah, I'm looking at the birds. What do you notice about the birds? They fly. You want me to underline that, Jesus? What else do you notice about them? They tweet. When you look at birds, Tim, what do you notice? They kind of do whatever. I'm not a bird. Jesus, I'm not a bird. 
Man, I work every day. I'm getting it done. I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm working all these hours every day and I'm coming home and I'm working, I'm doing homework with the kids and I don't even understand algebra for to begin with. And then I'm having to, I'm having to run over here and run over there and I gotta fix this and I got all these problems and I got, I got, I got mom and dad getting older and older and I, I don't even know if I'm saving as much money as I should. And you birds, I'm not even in the same category. You're finally starting to make sense, Tim. Huh? You're finally starting to make sense. Look at the birds. They don't do anything. That's what he says. He says they don't labor. Right? They don't work. Isn't that what he says? Look at the birds. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. I heard one preacher say, they don't, they don't have a cell phone. They don't have quicken. I thought, What? It says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Tim, don't you understand? You are not in the same category of the birds. That's what I said, Jesus, right. Aren't you more valuable than birds? Aren't you more precious to me than a bird? Let me ask you something. Do you ever think like that? you ever think I'm more important than a bird? You ever cross your mind? I'm more important than a bird. I want to tell you, if you've got that thought, that's great, but God wants you to have more than a thought. Do you believe you're more important than a bird? That's the question. Do I believe God cares about me more than the birds? The birds kind of just do their thing. It's like instinct. They, you know, they get together and, hey, Bill, yeah, it's getting kind of cold. Why don't we go south? Okay. There's a group over there getting ready to go. Let's go with them. Did they, well, I was, let me check my, my schedule here. My, my iPhone says we're leaving today. No, it doesn't. I have, they have nothing like that. They're not texting one another. Hey, get over here. We're getting ready to leave. They just happen to come together. They, it's like they go with the flow. They, have a, they don't have a care in the world. And God says, they don't even do anything, really, you know, their own mind, you know, and plan or anything. And I take care of them. What? I take care of you? I mean, after all, you're made in my image. Wouldn't I take care of you more than a bird? See, I, I don't want you just to go away going, oh, that's a nice thought, Tim. I'm going to write that in my prayer card. What a wonderful thought. I'm more important than birds. If you don't believe it, you're going to keep worrying. Because when you begin to believe it, that's when things begin to change. He says, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. You can see him going, I'm a guy. I don't look at flowers. Look at the flowers, Tim. Okay. What do you notice? They're pretty... No, they don't labor. They don't spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's saying, look, look at the flowers. Look how beautiful they are. Look how well I take care of them. Yeah. Now look at Solomon who sought me first and I took care of him. Look what happened to him. And he isn't got even a thimble of what the, you know, what the flowers have. And then he says this. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown, is thrown into the fire, 
uh, tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? And you remember the words he says after that? O you of little faith. What's he saying? Do you believe I can take care of you? You see, my worry problem is a faith issue. It's a faith issue. And will I believe God will take care of me? Because when I have little faith, I heard, I heard uh, uh, years ago I heard somebody say it like this, worry confirms my lack of connection with God. Worry confirms and indicts my lack of connection to God as my master. And if you want to know, if you're getting... If you're devoted to God and you've got Him up close and you're face to face with Him, guess what? You're going to worry less. You're going to see that pattern. (laughs) It might even eliminate it altogether. He says here in verse 31, 32, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Listen to this. For the pagans run after these things. The people who don't believe run after those. The people who have no faith worry and make this their primary concern. The people who have no relationship with me are devoted to mammon and not to me. They're after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus is saying here, you can live with uncertainty and not worry at the same time. How? By trusting my Heavenly Father to take care of me. Let me ask you a question. I read this in another sermon. thought that was kind of interesting. If Bill Gates were your father, would you worry about money? No. If Henry Ford was your dad, would you worry about having a car? Maybe if you didn't like Fords, okay. Spoil my illustration. If the President of the United States was your dad, would you worry about being protected? Wait a minute. Secret Service has been having trouble lately. <laughs> but if, you know what I'm saying? If, if your dad is God. You're not... I heard somebody say it this way. I thought this was weird. He goes, we worry because we have, he said, an orphaned spirit. And I don't have to be without a father. You don't have to be without a father. You don't have to worry about it. When your heavenly father knows you already need it and will take care of you. Do you believe it? Every time you worry, you need to meet that with that. I think in Philippians 4 it says something about don't worry about anything, pray about everything. He says, for your heavenly Father, you know, and he goes on, talks about how he'll provide, and he says, if you do this, you will have the peace that passes all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds. If I do what? If I go to him and pray about it. Everything, you know, the 92% that, that doesn't happen, 
uh, okay, what do I do with that 8%, Tim? I take that 8% that does happen, and I combine it with the 82% that doesn't, and I bring 100% everything that I worry about to God on a daily basis, and I pray until I experience victory. I just keep praying about it and talking about it. That's treating your Heavenly Father like your father. A pagan doesn't do that. A Christian will. You are God's child. And He is your Father. And He promises to take care of you. So don't worry about it. Number four. By the way, I worked in point four, the old point four. You didn't know how I did it. Okay, number four. Here it is. I devote myself to God. I want to overcome worry. And, God, and Jesus wants us to overcome worry. And in the passage, he gives, us, he gives us these questions and thoughts. He says, man, I want you to overcome worry. How do I do it, Tim? Well, you've got to realign. You've got to redefine that. What is your life really going to be about? What are you going to be devoted to? You've got to see that, it, that worry is going, it's, it's evil. It's not normal. That's not the way I designed life to be, Tim. It's related to your sin. It's not related to your righteousness. Worry is not related to your faith. It's, it's foreign. It's like the opposite. You've got to, you have to believe, and by speaking of that, you've got to believe I'll take care of you. Just start believing I'll take care of you. And you'll find your worries begin to, you'll worry less and less and less and, and eliminate it altogether. And this happens, probably the greatest, the greatest decision you can make is, I devote myself to God. Look what he says, verse 33. Now we see this verse in its context. But now, and I put now in, if that's okay. Here's why, because he's talking about tomorrow. But seek now, seek his, first his kingdom. Would you circle first? It sounds like the master issue has been solved. Who's going to control me has been solved. Who's going to control things in my life has been solved. Who serves who has been solved when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Then he says, do not worry about tomorrow. He says, therefore, again, second time he says the word therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to ask you this morning as we close this lesson out, you're all going to be going your separate ways. You're all going to be going home. Some of you are going home. Some of you are going out to a restaurant to eat. Some of you, you know, you're going to be doing your thing, getting ready for Thanksgiving, right? What are you worried about? What is it you're worried about? That's what I ask myself. I've been asking myself that. What am I worried about? And I just notice every time I devote myself to God, the worry disappears. Every time. Let me ask you a better question. Why are you worrying about it? Do you have control? Are you trying to take control of it? Why not give control to someone who can do something about it, who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, who isn't, who isn't hemmed in by time constraints, but can be in the future and the past and the present at the same time. That's powerful. Why are you worrying? In Proverbs it says, worry weighs the person down. 
What are you worried about? I'm worried about what will happen to my kids. I'm worried about what will happen to my body. I'm worried about what happens to, to, to my job in the, in the next year. I'm worried about what's going to happen to this church. I'm worried about what's going to happen to my friends. I'm worried about... And you know what? God says, listen. Listen, what matters is what's, gonna go, what's going on in your heart right now. So set those things to worry about tomorrow. Right now, what's happening in your heart? What are you meeting your worries with. See, guys, remember, your emotion is tied to your devotion. You cannot serve two masters. You're letting something push you around like it owns you. And that's reserved for only one, and that's God Almighty, who made you. Don't let it push you around anymore. I've got here a couple sentences. Worry is tied to my devotion to my stuff. And that's the truth. Worry is tied to my devotion. It's not tied to God whatsoever. Confidence, on the other hand, is tied to my devotion to God. I, I wrote those two down on them notes for my, for, just to remind me. Worry comes from my stuff. Confidence comes from my God. And listen, you confront, you confront your worries when you choose your master. When you choose God as your master, when you place Him first in your life. That's why Jesus says these words, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. What are you trying to say, Jesus? Well, what I'm saying to a, to a believer is this. Worry is not an option for a believer. We've got to see it like this. And you say, Tim, you just admitted you worry a lot. Yeah. You going to worry this week? Yeah. I don't want to. And I'm going to look at that every time I worry and go, Worry is not an option for me. Worry is indication that I don't believe and trust the Lord. I'm not trusting Him. I need to stop worrying and start trusting God here. And, and I'm not, I need to let Him have control and serve Him as a slave who's owned by a master. I need to hold Him up close to me in devotion. Not the things I'm worried about. And I'm face to face with it. So close like Cindy holding her grandchild. And she's sitting right over there, holding her right now. That God's going to be that close to me, not what I'm worried about. I'm going to despise that. I'm going to, quit. I'm going to despise it because it's unhealthy for me. It's not good for me. It's useless. It's a waste of my time. It has been pushing me around long enough. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to obey Jesus. I heard it said, I heard it said this way. Listen to this. I heard it said this way. For this week, I hope you can make this some kind, some kind of mantra for you. I'm not going to worry because I know what's going to happen tomorrow. No. I'm not going to worry because I know God today. Can you say that? I hope you can. What are you worried about? Maybe you need to use this prayer card in your bulletin as an opportunity. You know, we're going to let you, we're going to sing a song, give you time to. Fill that card out. Then we'll sing another song to close our service and take up that card in our contribution. Use that card as we sing, sing this last song. Maybe you've already been writing out stuff. What am I worried about? Ask yourself, put, dare you. I double dog. I triple dog dare you. Now you've got to do it. I triple dog dare you to write down what it is you worry about and why you're worried about it. And let somebody pray over that. Get that specific. Guys, if you don't get serious about this worry thing, it'll push you around the rest of your life. It's been pushing me around forever. I'm tired of it. How about you? 
Take this opportunity. Make a decision. Believe the Lord will take care of you. Make a decision. I'm going to start believing that worry is useless in my life. I'm going to start living my life broader than one thing. I'm not going to give my worries so much emotional energy. I'm taking a break from that kind of thinking, that stinking thinking. Maybe you just need to place God first in your life. He's not been first to Him. Well, no wonder you're worried. I'd be worried too. Why not place Him first in your life? Make that decision this morning. We're going to sing this song right now and give you time to do that. Let's pray and we'll be done here. Father, thank You for a very interesting, very interesting passage, Lord. You know, I think You'd want to be talking about, you know, the, the, the Godhead or the Trinity or, you know, sacrificial system out of Leviticus, something, you know, real deep theological stuff. And you get deep in the practical here. I could care less, Father. I could care less about how to properly sacrifice an animal to you when I'm worried. That's, what I, that's a big problem for me, and I bet you there's others like this too, Lord. Father, I pray that, you'll, that we'll take these words, these encouraging words that you have here from your son's lips, from Matthew 6, 24 through 34 to heart. The Father, we, won't, that we, we realize we cannot serve two masters. We need to choose and be devoted to one. To not worry about what we eat or drink or about the body. That we see that life is more than food, more than one thing, more than marriage, more than a job, more than my health. Father, help us look at the birds. You love them so much and you take care of them. Let us see that you take care of us because we're more important. Father, let us see how useless it is to worry. It can't add a single hour to our life. And so help us not worry about things like food and clothing and the things that are important in life that you will provide if we'll just seek you first. Father, let us see that the root, the root of our worries is our devotion and our faith. So help us, help us to obey this command you give to not worry. For we know the pagans worry like that. And Father, we're not pagans. We love you, and we know you'll take care of us. So help us seek your kingdom first. Help us seek what you say and, and incorporate in our lives first. Let your words have an impact on our life first. Over the bill that comes in, over the, the bill collector, over the boss that's threatening to fire me. Let your words have preeminence, Father, over everything else. And Father, we're going to let you take care of tomorrow. We've got enough stuff going on today. And because of that, Father, we won't worry about tomorrow. Not because we know what's going to happen tomorrow, but because we know you today. We thank you, Father. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.